one point. Wax apple. Oh, good, Andrew. Pineapple. All right, so that's three points so far. Guava. Four points. Awesome, you're healthy. A lot of great fruit we have here, right? Wow. Oh my goodness. Got out of season stuff. That's not fair. Dragon fruit. Five points for Andrew. How about you, Leslie? This is gonna lend some insight into my dietary consumption, but I have none. <laughs> oh no! Awesome. Now we know what you're I had a bunch before. I swear I had bananas and I finished some mangoes with some yogurt. <laughs> but it really doesn't lend credence to anything right now. <laughs> Andrew's the most Taiwanese today. I'm not surprised. Like, <laughs> only today. Great job, you guys. Thanks for playing a very first Taiwanese face-off. What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? When Taiwan's professional baseball league started up its 2020 season in April, it created a stir among baseball fans worldwide including fans who might not have even heard of Taiwan before. Normally overshadowed by its US and Japanese cousins, Taiwanese baseball had now seized the spotlight. COVID-19 had shut down baseball everywhere else. Taiwanese baseball was now the only game in town. And it was undertaking two bold experiments at once. Trying to hold an exciting season in the midst of a global pandemic, of course, but also providing English language commentary for the first time in decades. Veteran Taiwanese baseball commentator Richard Wong was one of the first approached about giving English commentary. He's used to reporting on U.S. baseball for Taiwanese audiences, and so was a natural pick. When the Eleven Sports Network asked him to take on this new assignment, he jumped at the opportunity. Since then, he's been covering home games for two of the league's teams, the teams the Eleven Sports Network has the rights to, with Canadian commentator Wayne McNeil by his side. All the other networks broadcasting the league's games have since copied this idea with English commentary of their own. Richard is proud of this job. He sees it in patriotic terms. This is a chance not just to present Taiwanese baseball to the world, but also Taiwan itself and what makes it great. Last week, Richard joined us to talk about what it's like in the booth during this rather surreal season, played so far to largely empty stadiums. We're going to pick up our conversation with Richard again this week, starting with a look at one of the ways organizers of one team's games have tried to make up for the lack of fans in the stands. A quick note before we start. At one point, Richard says that our league is no longer the only one playing. He's going to mention the KBO. That stands for the Korean Baseball Organization. Okay, so now it's over to Richard for a look at the Rakuten Monkeys Robotic Drumming Squad. And of course, there's the robotic cheerleaders. We can't forget about those. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. They're plugged in and they're playing drums in the first inning after the final inning. So they're a little bit loud. And, and where did those come from? Did a company make them or...? 
Yeah, yeah, I think I think I have some connections with the local companies here, and they they do make these kind of you know fun robot thing. And I believe it's a very good、uh, opportunity for them to expose themselves, and it's all good things. If you're talking about sponsorship, to have your product shown during the baseball game. Yeah, and it did make a splash. I mean, one of my favorite、uh, American radio programs mentioned it on that weekend's edition, and I was like, I know where that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So people were <laughs>、yeah. people did notice. So you're doing the commentary for the Rockton Monkeys, and but it.、Yeah. Looks、yeah. like all of the teams in the league now have English commentary. Are you involved with all of that? I'm only one person. I started with the Lockton Monkeys, and now I'm also working on the home game for the Fubon Guardians. And one of the good things is that this year the Fubon Guardians and the Lockton they completely separate their home game date, so there is no conflict for me like running into each other. So、right. I can do both of the games. The Eleven Sports Network Taiwan they have the rights for the Monkeys. And they also have the rights for the lions. And for the lions to do all their games down in Tainan, so they found another crew to work on the games for the lions.、Mm-hmm. So I basically stay in Taipei and Taoyuan for the、uh, Lakteng games and the Guardians games. And the CTBC brothers will start their English broadcast today. So this is the first time in in the history of Taiwanese baseball that all four teams will have their own English broadcast. It sounds like it's been a success. Do you have any figures, or、uh, has anyone told you about how many overseas viewers have been tuning into these games to watch?、Uh, yeah, average-wise, I think we have somewhere between like nine hundred thousand to a million views per game. So it is really crazy. Well, for the first Monkeys home game, we had like six hundred fifty views. So we thought that it would be good already. But over the weekend, after we did all five Lockdown Monkeys home games, we actually generated around like five million views. And for the following weekend, for the Guardians games, we have averaged like one million views as well. It's been very crazy, impressive, excited, score whatever you like, and it's been amazing. And it's been surreal actually. Have any of the reactions sort of filtered through to you, or any feedback from these? Oh、games? yeah, we got a lot of feedback from Twitter because the platform of showing this English broadcast on Twitter, and they all gave us very nice comments and very encouraging messages. Saying that they like it and that they thank us for bringing baseball to them, especially during this time, nobody's going nowhere, and、uh, they are able to have baseball on, especially for the folks in the states. Nowadays, we call it and they call it breakfast baseball as well, because when they wake up there, it's their breakfast time, and then they can have a cup of coffee with our baseball game going <laughs> on. And you know, sometimes in Taiwan we play the game is kind of dragging a bit longer. So I was joking with the fans on the air saying that. Maybe after the game is over, you guys are ready for your lunch. So,、right. <laughs> yeah, it just you know takes up this big whole time, like four hours or maybe five hours of time in the morning to be with these guys who are really into baseball, who love baseball, but cannot have baseball in their own country right now. And、uh, we do have baseball right here, and then we would love to share with you. We'd like to bring baseball to you, no matter where you are. Right. And one of the funny things is that nowadays I actually start the game by saying good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everybody out there because our audience are out there, and they are all in the different time zones. Right. There, there are people watching、uh, in Japan. Of course, in the states, and there are people watching in Italy from Germany. So we got comments from all different places, all different countries, and they've been very positive. And they are very generous, you know, to give us a lot of encouraging messages. And they all told us they want to see more games on our streaming platforms, and that they want to stay with us. Right. For their breakfast, yeah. And so, as far as you're aware, it's mostly in the states, Japan, and Europe. Or do you have a breakdown of where people are watching from? Well, I don't have the numbers with me, but 
most of the viewers are from the States. That's okay. something for sure. Well, I think also maybe the time zone things kind of help uh, to, sure. to, to guys wake up. And, you know, I think we'll still have a lot of viewers from the States. Mm. And yeah. are these time zone differences something that people have sort of consciously thought about when scheduling games? Or is that just how it's worked out? Well, it is scheduled. It, it is you know, schedule according to what we need here in Taiwan. Okay. It's just that in the time zone, become a very convenient to the viewers in the States. So how can our listeners overseas watch the games that you provide commentary for? How do they tune in? Everybody just go to Twitter. And uh, for the uh, for the Monkeys game, uh, you just go to 11 Sports Taiwan. And of course, for the Lions game, you go to 11 Sports Taiwan as well. And for the Fubang Guardians game, just go to a football Guardians Twitter account, and the game will be shown there when the time is up. And for CDBC Brothers game, they just started today. I believe they also do it on Twitter as well. So okay. just go to Twitter and then you know, search for the, uh, the team name and Eleven Sports Network. You'll be able to see the game. And is, are there any plans to work, like for instance, with uh, ESPN or other major international broadcasters to like deal with the rights so that more well, people can see? For that part of the uh, the issues, I think the league has to take care of it. We were told the league is talking to some major Perium, not necessarily ESPN or some other, like maybe streaming platform or something like that. But for now, we don't have the words yet, but maybe they are, you know, onto something. Well, what we know is that ESPN started to broadcast KBO as we're talking right now. And uh, uh, that's a very good deal for KBO to have their games being seen in the States. Mm -hmm. So we definitely hope that our games can be seen in more places and with a more convenient platform as well. But uh, I think we'll leave that for the league to work it out. Well, either way, it seems like it's our time to shine here. Oh, yeah. I really hope so. Yeah, We don't really get many chances to push the image of Taiwan or Taiwanese baseball to be under that kind of spotlight. That is all because we did a pretty good job on the pandemic prevention. I will tell everybody that without the hard work and the sacrifice and the contribution of medical personnel and the authorities, none of this will be happening right now because no. if we can't take care of ourselves then there will be no baseball if there's no baseball there's no chance for us to show baseball to the world and for other people to start to like our baseball so i think if you look at it all and all that we really have to say thank you to all our medical personnel for their contribution and sacrifice right well thank you so much for joining us today and thank you for bringing us baseball at this time <laughs> oh yeah that's all my pleasure and i'm really proud of doing that right now since my talk with Richard, there's been some good news. There'd already been talk of slowly allowing fans back into baseball stadiums. Maybe a few hundred, maybe up to a thousand. Now, that number is going to be raised to 2,000, hopefully at least. There's still going to be social distancing rules in place, but it's an encouraging sign of life returning to normal. They can probably keep the robotic drummers, though. Those were pretty cool. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. Listen, are you listening? <laughs> this is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. Taiwan, a small island with a whole world of sounds. I have to say, I'm not really much of an artist. I've never really taken lessons, and up until last year, I'd never really done anything bigger than a sheet of notebook paper. 
Then about a year ago, a friend of mine from the Atayal tribe here in Taiwan asked me to paint a two-meter square wall for her. So I did it, and I was pretty proud of myself, and after I was done, I promptly put my brush down and finished my career in art. But then a couple weeks ago, I get this call from the same friend, and it turns out she has another section of wall that needs painting, and this time it's 22 meters long. I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Year to the Ground, I bring you to the village of Nalo to meet the people who would end up painting that wall. A student from National Jiao Tong University is teaching a group of freshmen how to sing a song. They're part of a mountain volunteer group, which means that every weekend they go up into the village of Nalo in Xinju County to lead special activities for the local kids. Today it's orientation for the freshman volunteers, and the song they're learning is a folk song about being called up into the mountains. Singing was just one part of their orientation. They also made handicrafts, went on a treasure hunt, and watched performances by the upperclassmen. And of course, they also sampled the local rice wine. For these volunteers, painting a section of wall at my friend Yao's house has also become part of the tradition. And this year, since their section is adjacent to the piece that I painted before, Yao suggested that we all work together. So I ended up designing an extension of my original piece. It features the surrounding mountains and a tile woman weaving traditional cloth, a young warrior holding up the cloth, and then a selection of college students and local children who are following the cloth back to the village. Now there are also some flying cabbages in the design. The hope is that the local vegetables can fly off to the big cities and make a profit for the farmers. Now I wasn't sure how this was all going to go down or what my role in the whole project was. But I definitely felt that I'd walked into something that was much, much larger than my little design. On the first morning after I got there, a number of upperclassmen helped me to transfer the drawing onto the wall with some pastels. We put numbers and letters to indicate the color that was to be used in each section. Then in the afternoon, the new recruits filled in almost the entire 22-meter-long wall in just three hours. I was shocked. And of course, very pleased. I stood back and watched them working together, some of them concentrating intently on the painting, while others were spending more time playing with the kids. Sometimes it's important to let people grow and learn and make mistakes, even if they drip paint all over the place. After all, it can always be touched up. The next morning, I was awakened by the sound of banging. The students were learning how to cook glutinous rice and bamboo stalks and they were stuffing the contents into the open end of each segment and tapping the tubes on the table to help pack it in tightly. I kept looking at the wall from a distance, itching to get a closer look and to begin touching it up. Later, when the group traipsed off to climb a mountain on the other side of the valley, I went back to the wall with some of the upperclassmen, and together we began slowly touching up the painting. A second coat of paint here, some straighter lines there, and we added some details too facial expressions, shading, patterns on the clothing, and about four to five hours later, the whole mural was done. Now, there's no way I could have painted the whole thing by myself, even if you gave me a whole month to do it. But I'll admit, 
It wasn't always easy for me to lighten up and take a back seat while other people were painting the wall. But when there are so many people involved, you have to step back and watch your baby take on a life of its own. In the end, the mural was far better than I expected, thanks to the college kids. I was touched by their dedication and by how they'd made friends with the local kids by the end of their trip. I waved to the volunteers as they head out scooter by scooter, embarking on the long journey back down the mountain. I'm proud of what we accomplished together. And no, I still don't think I'm an artist, but I do believe that you can accomplish anything you put your mind to, especially with a little help from your friends. With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. Pull yourself together already. It's time to feast. Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, welcome to the feast. This is Ellen Chu. This is Andrew Ryan. Okay, so I'm waiting for the tiny fruit that you were talking about last week. That's right. So I have just handed Ellen Chu a little glass jar. It's kind of like a, you know, lab stuff. You know, what? it came from a lab. Oh, a lab stuff. I thought you said lap. I was uh, like, like lap dance. No, no, no. <laughs> Lab. Laboratory. It's funny how my mind goes. Yes. <laughs> it looks like a laboratory thing. So I've handed her a single glass jar mm-hmm. with a single tiny fruit in it, which is a little bit larger than a cherry maybe, or is it about the size of a cherry? Uh, well, you know, sometimes the cherries are huge right now. Okay. So it's right? about the size of a cherry. Right. But it's lighter in color. Maybe, mm-hmm. what, what color would you say that? Is it like an uh, apple? No, not really like an apple. It's kind of like a pear. Okay. And it has a long stem on it. It's a very hard stem like a cherry. Mm-hmm. And uh, go ahead and uh, when you're done, take a photo of it. I think it's so cute that I just want to take so much photos. It's cute, photo. right? It's so cute. I was looking around for a it's container. So cute. <laughs> I found yes. the perfect container for you. I know. So when you want to go ahead and take a bite. Oh, I can eat it now? You can go ahead and eat it now. Specially okay. prepared for you. Go ahead and take a bite. Mm. It has been pickled. Mm-hmm. And it's very crisp. Mm. Did you hear that it's crunch? Good. It's so good. It tastes like a plum. Tastes like a plum, yeah. Uh-huh, but the texture is kind of like a pear. Kind of like a pear. But it tastes like a cherry. No, just kidding. <laughs> like a pickled cherry. So it's sweet and sour. Sour. A little bit salty, probably. It has a little pit. A pit in the middle, yep. Like a cherry. Like a cherry. Mm-hmm. So what do you think it is? Lizi. You are right. It is a kind of pear. Uh-huh. This is called Linley's pear, L-I-N... Linley's pear. L-I-N-D-L-E-Y, apostrophe S. L-I-N-D-L-E-Y. Lindy's. Lindley's. Lindley's, wow. Pear. Uh, and in Chinese, we call it niao li. So it's a bird pear. Really? It's so tiny. And they're teeny tiny. And these actually are, they're fascinating. They, um, what they do is they pick them... Mm-hmm. And uh, then they actually graft these onto the sides of crystal pear trees. Mm-hmm. 
and they are harvested two weeks after the crystal pears are. Oh. And then you basically pick them off the tree. Have you ever seen this before um, in a different form in a night market? Yes. What do you think it is? Little red ones? Yes. And they pickled them, right? They they dip them in sugary candy right, sauce. Right, right. Which hardens and becomes... Outside. Yes. Tanghulu. Yes, like, right? exactly. Oh. So Tanghulu um, is actually from northern China. They started making them in the Song Dynasty. Mm-hmm. And they line these little fruits up on a stick. Uh, and they usually use mountain hawthorn in China. Um, but here in Taiwan, they use these niaoli, these linli's mm-hmm. pears. They line them up and then they dip them in a um, sauce. It's made out of rock sugar. Rock sugar. They 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 cook the rock sugar down mm-hmm. until it's a, a, like a sauce, mm-hmm. and then they dip the pears in it. And then because they're usually red, they make a red sauce, and then it becomes hard and crunchy on the outside. So the original fruit is actually not red. The original fruit actually in China that they use, a mountain hawthorn, is red. Okay. But, you know, the ones that we see in the night market is bigger. It, is, it can be a little bit bigger. Right. Uh, and they use a lot of different things now for Tanghulu. Oh. They also... Um, use tomato. Tomatoes in Taiwan mm-hmm. and strawberries a right, lot. Right, right. And those are I both I like red. the strawberry. Well, I think strawberries are perfect by themselves. I know. It doesn't <laughs> need to be like sweetened with, you know, sugar coated outside. And you've actually touched on a really important thing because these little Lindley's pears, you cannot eat them raw. Really? Because they're too sour, they're too tart, and they're too astringent. So it, I think it, I had them before, like before they're pickled. Yes. And then I remember it's just like really su. How, how do you say like su? You say it's astringent. Astringent. Okay. So it sucks all of the water out of your mouth. Right. So it has that weird, you know, palatate. So feel. if you've had like some people might have had a red wine that does that before. Mm-hmm. And it just sucks the water out of your mouth and sucks all the sugar out of your mouth, okay. too. Wow. So with these, what they do is they pickle them. And the way they pickle them is they toss them in hot water, boiling water. Mm. And they boil them for however long. And then when they, the peel, the skin starts to mm-hmm. split a little bit, they pull them out. And if they're just a little bit soft, then they're okay. done. It's and really nice. You toss them in salt. You put salt water in, okay. in salt water. And then you toss them in salt and mm. sugar. Yeah. Beautiful. Nice, just the way they are. Yes. They should sell this in Schmarbucks. Schmarbucks. You know, in this little container. <laughs> it she, would be cute. I have I keep put it in a container from a certain yes. coffee shop. Yes. Schmarbucks. <laughs> Schmarbucks. Yes. So in today's show, I am actually going to go into the Feast Means West Test Kitchen, and I'm going to create right. a Western version of Tanghulu. All right. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for I'm it? I'm ready. All right. It's going to be a combination of these fruits with something you've seen before in the West. Okay. Any guesses? Cherry. Uh, no, it's actually these fruits. I'm going to do <laughs> something to these fruits. There's no cherries involved. Okay. That tastes like, you know, something I taste in the States. You Something like you've seen before. Caramel. Apple. Mm. <laughs> Am I good? You're very close to my inspiration, okay. aren't you? Great minds think alike. Uh-huh. All right, let's uh, go into our menu and see what's on our, our show today. Okay. 
In our first course, believe it or not, the Chinese almanac says the summer has already begun in Taiwan. Really? Yes. I still have my bomber jacket out. Oh no. Yeah, we'll tell you what kinds of food are in season there in Taiwan. And also in our second course, I'm going to head into the Feast Meets West Test Kitchen to create a Western variation of Tanghulu. Hmm. And in our third and final course, we'll be sampling the creation right here in our studio. That's right. Are you looking forward to it? Or are you nervous? I'm looking forward to it. Mm, that's because, the right answer. Because you know we started out with a good start. Good start, yeah. Yeah, with yeah, a yeah. little tasty, you know, plum. It's a good base for something yeah. interesting. I like it. It's the appetizer. Yeah. All right, we're gonna go into our first course, and this right. is called Bao Dao de Xian Xuan Tian. And how do you say that in Taiwanese? Bao Dao e. Giam Giam Santi. 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 Right? That's pretty good. Don't quote us, okay? Don't quote Don't us. Don't try to follow us, okay? I think that's pretty all. good. Boto is Giam Santi. Yeah. I think it's good enough. Good enough. All right. And this is by Luo Da Yo and the OK Nanyu He Tan. The OK Men and Women Choir. That's pretty good. All right. Have a listen. Right. We'll be back with a look at. Some foods that are in season here in Taiwan. Okay. Is the beginning of the summer food in season? What's in? Can you believe that we've already had the beginning of the two-week micro season called Li Xia, beginning of summer? Mm, I don't believe it. It's hard to imagine. I'm right. still feeling kind of cold. Oh, we're both in like you know, kind of like winter clothes. Okay. <laughs> 
So, uh, this is the beginning of the harvest season. It's the busiest time of the year for the farmers in Taiwan. Wow. And the beginning of the harvest season and beginning of the busyness. Well, I hope this year it doesn't, the coronavirus doesn't affect our farmers. Do you I don't think it affects it? I think it will. I think it's so far. It's out, outdoor, right? Yeah. And everyone is so sparse away. Yeah, spread out. Social spread distancing out. in the time mm -hmm. of coronavirus. And, you know, during this time period, it often rains right around this time of the year. And it's getting hotter. Well, it's supposed to be getting hotter. It's raining, but, you know, I don't feel hotter. <laughs> but I heard it will get hotter tomorrow. Oh, okay. That I sounds so. good. But, you know, it's strange. It's still so cold today. I know. Right? It's, it's it's a weird kind of season that we've been having so far. Right. And it's hard for green leafy veggies to grow at this time of the year because the weather is getting hot. So only hardy vegetables will grow partially in water like kongxin cai, yes. which is morning glory or water convolvulus. Uh -huh. They can thrive. They can withstand typhoons. And this is also, we're coming up on lychee season too, aren't we? Mm, yes. Mm. And other foods that are good to eat at this time of the year, okay? Mm. So you have to eat like boiled egg. Hard boiled eggs. Okay. Really? I guess so. Okay. And also uh, bamboo. Yes, bamboo's in season. I had some beautiful guizu sun. Oh. Yes. Guizu, the royalty. Yes. Okay. And daike wan dou, so with the shells. So peas in a pod? Peas in a pod, all right? Snow peas? You right. Think? Oh. During this beginning of the summer, if you eat like broiled egg, mm -hmm. it just kind of helps your heart. Oh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because the egg is shape of your heart. I think that's a little mm, uh -huh. interesting. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> We're not and doctors, but you know. If you eat the egg, it actually helps you uh, feel very energetic. Well, oh. mm, there's good protein in there, okay? Mm -hmm. So because you eat bamboo shoot, because it kind of looks like your leg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it makes you strong and walk further away. If you eat the pea, the peas in the pod, then it shapes over your eye. So, so it's good for your eyes. Good for your eyes. I love this, Ellen Chu. There's absolutely it. no scientific or medical background <laughs> in any of this, but things look like things, I so therefore you should eat them. Okay. Okay. All right. So I'm glad we did that. It's, you know, I'm just reading it and laughing, okay? So eat those things that are in season, and they will be good for you because they look like the part of the body that you want to right. cure. Right. Okay. Yes. All right. Alrighty, so that's a little look at some of the foods in season. Now, a couple days ago, I went out of town. I went to Xinju, mm. which is in northern Taiwan, about an hour or two outside of Taiwan. When you Taiwan. say you go out of town, you got to be careful. Say it quicker. People Why? will feel that. Where did you go? Oh. <laughs> right? Did oh. you go out of country? No, I no. didn't. Okay. Only out of town. All right. So we drove down and went to a little town in northern Xinju, and we went to a market and that's where I found these little um, Lindley pears. Oh, okay. That were in, they were soaking in the water, mm -hmm. the, the uh, what do you call it, the pickling juices. Mm -hmm. And then I bought a bag of them. Oh. And then uh, chatted with the woman. And uh, then I decided to bring them home and create something very interesting for you. Okay. In the Feast Means West Test Kitchen. All right. Uh, so when we come back in just a moment in our second course, I'm going to be. Uh, trying Whipping that out. Whipping up something. <laughs> Whipping something, absolutely. All right. 
first song is called Sun Tian. Sun Tian. Okay. Very nice. I don't think it's in Taiwanese, but you know, it's okay. cool. It's cool. It's cool. Sun yeah. Tian. Okay. Did I say it's in Taiwanese? No, it's in my own language. Sun Tian. They're like, who's Cindy? <laughs> it's S H E. Not Cindy. She didn't sing it. No, she didn't sing it. S H E. Yes. And when we come back in just a moment, we're heading into the test. Okay. Listening to Feast Meets West. Second course. We are back now on the second course of today's Feast Meets West. And in the test kitchen today, we're going to be making some candied apples. Except we're not using apples, we're using Lindley's pears. And they taste, uh, well, kind of sour because they've been um, pickled. So they've been put in kind of a brining liquid, so water and salt. Um, and they were already sour to begin with. Um, and in fact, the only way you can eat them is if you uh, pickle them. You can't eat them raw because they're just too uh, astringent and too sour. And then instead of using the caramel that we use for candied apples, we're going to actually dip them in chocolate. And I got the inspiration uh, from a friend. She thought they looked a little bit like cherries, and cherries dipped in chocolate, of course, are amazing. The sourness of the cherries, the bitter and sweetness of the chocolate is perfect. 
uh, match made in heaven. So I thought we would try that with the Lindley's pears. So I have uh, just assembled my little pears. Again, they look like cherries in size. They have long and very stiff stems, which will make it very easy to dip in the chocolate. Um, we don't need toothpicks or um, popsicle sticks or anything. And uh, now I'm just putting some chocolate chips in a fan marie. So basically we're going to heat them in a pan which has been placed on top of hot water. And the water is uh, coming to a boil. And so these chips will melt down very nicely without burning. Uh, of course, if you have a microwave, you can do it that way too, but I don't have a microwave. Now I'm just topping up some almonds uh, because we're gonna dip these little pears in the chocolate and then in the almonds for a beautiful, crunchy uh, texture uh, and the, the nuttiness that the almonds will provide. So now that the uh, chocolate has turned into a nice, smooth, shiny chocolate sauce, I'm just dipping these little pears in one by one. So I'm going with the first one and now I'm just gonna dip that into the almond, the chopped almond, which I've placed in a bowl. And now I'm just gonna set it aside uh, and allow it to cool down and then harden. And there you have it. That is the beautiful chocolate dipped Lindley pears with crunchy almond topping. Just to let you know, I've used a nice dark chocolate um, so that it's not too sweet and then adds some notes of bitterness as well. So we have the sweet, the sour, the bitterness, and then a little bit of a salty flavor from the original pickling of the Lindley's pears. There you have it, chocolate and almond dipped Lindley's pears. But first, another song, this is called Chocoli or Chocolate, and it is by Jia Jia. We'll be back in the studio sampling these with Ellen Chu when the feast continues.
I'm all ready. I have prepared something pretty for you. Mm-hmm. Do you want to bring that little jar over here and I'll stick it in there for you? <laughs> he knows that I'm in love with this jar. Right. Ah, let me, okay. All right, don't look yet. She's got her eyes closed and I'm going to choose one and stick it in there for her. And then, oh, it doesn't fit. Ah. I have to find a smaller one so it fits. That's hilarious. I did something to it. Now it doesn't fit in there. Okay. Well, okay. You ready? Yeah. There you go. You can open your eyes. Oh, dipped in chocolate. That's right. So what and I did nuts. was I dipped this little Lindley pear in some 60% chocolate. Nice. From a San Francisco chocolate maker called your deli. Uh-huh. Because I like it nice and um, strong. Mm. And then I chopped up some almonds. And you're going to have to pull hard to get it out of the jar. <laughs> it's like birth. <laughs> <laughs> now, great. <laughs> <laughs> now we can't get it out. Uh, oh, no. Uh, oh, God. There you go. There, Oof. There. Oof. That was a scary moment there. It's a hard birth. It's a hard birth, Ellen Chu. Okay. okay. It's cute. So we dip them in almonds. Mmm. Not bad. Mmm. Goes together. Better than expected, I think. Right. Because I was afraid that the plum powder, because I think there might be a little plum powder that's in here. Maids of Plenty. Yeah. And I was Mm -hmm. afraid that it might be. Not interacting well with the chocolate, but I think it actually kind of works. It works because um, you don't need to worry about the maize of them because I think in Japan, Kit Kat, they did like a plum version of you know Kit Kat. Mmm. And it worked. Because it's dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. Mmm. Because the original um, pears have the salty, the sour, and the sweet, but they didn't have any bitter. Mm-hmm. So by adding the chocolate, we get more of the bitter so now mm. you have all of the different suntan kula. This is good. You are missing the la. Yeah. I can put that in there next time. With some spicy powder. Make it spicy. Uh-huh. So it's suntan kushen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, she finished it. Is it a success? Yeah. Can I sell them at our um at the Feast Meets West um Boutique shop that I you think, and I are going to open. I think you sell it at Smarbucks. At Smarbucks? Mm-hmm. We just oh. have to make it smaller. So it fits, fits in the container. It's too big to fit in the <laughs> container. Oh. <laughs> but okay. I think um, one of the things I was noticing as I was making it is that they're kind of cute. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're, I think it's cute to look at and people would like to take pictures of it. I think so. 
It's I, just like, you know, a miniature pear. Miniature pear. Right? Mm-hmm. Usually you have those huge Japanese shui Shui like crystal pears, right. yeah? Right. And then they're so shrunk into a cherry size. Honey, I shrunk your pears. I know. <laughs> hey, maybe that would be the name of the dessert. It could be. It could be, Honey, right? Honey, I shrunk your pear. <laughs> coated in Ghirardelli chocolate. And you're, and you're going nuts. And you're going nuts. Right? <laughs> you like it? I like that, Ellen, too. That's yeah. very creative. All right. Okay. So a success uh, for once in the Feast of Success Kitchen. Yes. And we came up with a creative name. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think you could probably do this with um, cherries, too. I think so. Yeah. It would work. It would work. Strawberry. Uh, the fun thing about these ones is they have a really strong stem on them. So you right. don't need like little bamboo forks or like no. toothpicks. So that's why, you know, it worked when, you know, I was trying to pull it out, you know, of the jar. It it was strong enough to hold it. Thank heavens for stem. If it was a cherry, it'll fall apart. All right. So let's look at our addresses. Okay. Let's do it. Our address is P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. That's right. Also, email us at androo at rti.org.tw. And join us for a look, a trip to the flower market next week. Yes. Or maybe we should do Dalgona milk tea next week. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's make it a surprise. We'll see what's going to happen. So stay tuned that you'll know. That's right. One final song today, which is also connected to our topic. Right. Gay chocolate, the good, the song for chocolate. Okay. It's an ode to chocolate. Ooh. <laughs> and it's by Nan Chen Mama. All right. For Vs Means West, I'm Andrew Ryan. And this is Ellen Ju. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC, on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC, on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia, from 0300 to 0400 UTC, on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.